0: So, um, Tim talked a little bit about me, he said that I'm an a, a industrial salesman by day, and a, uh, I don't know what I am by night, but I am an industrial salesman. But to let you know a little bit more about me, I have always had two dream jobs, two dream jobs. One of you probably know what one of those jobs is, or some of you may know this, but I've always wanted to be the announcer at the Grand Ole Opry. I just think that's awesome. <laughs> Those were like, those were giggles of sympathy is what that was. Those weren't like, oh, yeah, you'd be great at that. But I, I just, I want to sit up there and read all these people that are at the Grand Ole Opry. I think that's amazing. So that's, that's job number one. No one from Nashville has called yet, so I'm going to hold out hope for maybe a little bit longer. And then the other one is to be a motivational speaker. I just think, like, going in front of a huge crowd and be like, you get a car, and you get a car, and you get a car. I just, I think that's awesome. Not as many laughs on that one, so... But those have always been my, my two dream jobs, and today I am going to at least try to practice one of those jobs, not the Grand Ole Opry, but, but being motivational. So today, Margie, if you're going to put that word up here, today is all about this word right here. So on the count of three, we're all going to pronounce it together, okay? One, two, three. We're going to try that again. That was good because I heard a couple of speckles. Here we go. One, two, three. Hazakah. We're going to go with hazak. Hazak is the word we're going to use today. That may not be the proper pronunciation, but this Tennessee boy is going to say, Hazak, if that's okay with everyone else. So we're going to pick up in Joshua chapter one, and we're going to read verses one through nine is where we're going to go. And that's where we're going to see this word. This Hebrew word is actually used several places in the Old Testament. We see it in Deuteronomy. We see it in a couple other places, but we're going to to focus on Joshua, Joshua chapter one, verses one through nine. Let's read together. After the death of Moses the lord's servant the lord spoke to joshua son of nun moses's assistant he said moses my servant is dead therefore the time has come for you to lead these people the israelites across the jordan river into the land that i'm giving them i promise you what i promised moses wherever you set foot you will be on land i have given you from the negev wilderness in the south to the lebanon mountains in the north from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the West, including all the land of the Hittites, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous. Hazak, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Hazak, be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Hazaq. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Hazak. So if you figured out the word Hazak means be strong and courageous. Strength and courage is what this word actually signifies. And here's, here's a thing. You know, I want to I put you in this scene. I want you to envision yourself in this scene. So Moses has just died. He has been the leader of the Israelites for the past 40 years. He took them out of Egypt. He is, he is the guy. He is the only person that they've known. But he's also led them through the wilderness for the past 40 years. And here's Joshua, a guy that you know, he, he was part of the spies that initially went into the promised land, and, and he's known by a lot of these folks, and he has been seen before, but really is an untested leader. He hasn't led a group like this before. This group numbers in the millions and millions of people is how large this group is. So he is he's completely untrained, completely unknowing of, of what all is about to happen to him, and he's given a, a pretty good-sized task with leading this nation of millions. And so What happens? He talks to God, so that's that's probably a pretty good idea. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna be in a leadership position, or if you're gonna be in a place to where you you need some help and you need some strength, talking to God is probably a pretty good idea. So, what does God say? God says, "Listen, I know this great book. It's called The Twenty One Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, and I want you to read it, and then you'll be ready." No, he doesn't say that. God says, "Hazak." The word that he uses there is "Hazak." Be strong and courageous be strong and courageous so here's the first thing that I want you to look at is that when you're facing adversity God's word is enough when you're facing adversity God's word is enough he didn't send him somewhere else he didn't say hey go talk to this other guy or hey go read this book or hey go do this or go do, go do that God simply said be strong and courageous be strong and courageous and I and I think that's I think that's amazing Another thing, the second thing that I want you to look at is this. So Hazak can't be hurried. Hazak can't be hurried. We can't, we can't get this to a quick place. We can't just automatically have this overnight. Because if you think about what Joshua did, yeah, he may not have led a group, but he's been following in the footsteps of Moses. He has seen God's will played out in the lives of the Israelites day in and day out. He has done this every single day. And even the word that he tells us here, it says meditate on it, Day and night. Meditate on it day and night. So, Hazakh can't be hurried. It's something that happens moment by moment, day by day. Every single second of our lives is when this happens. We can only have strength and we can only have courage if we focus on it moment by moment. And you know what's funny is that the, the Joshua that we see, he was created by the journey. The Joshua that we find in this story is the one that was created by this journey. Did he already know God and did he already love God and was was all about God's will whenever he was a spy into the wilderness? Absolutely. And by the way, there was a guy named Caleb that was with him too. So I just want y'all to remember that. It was Joshua and Caleb that were the only ones that got to enter into the promised land. Um, I want to make sure that you remember that. But Joshua that we know came from the journey. So... Back to the scene, back to where we are. Something that I've kind of skimmed over to this point is that they're standing on the banks of the Jordan River. The Jordan River is where they are. They're looking across into the promised land. So this is a pretty big moment for this group. This is a pretty interesting scene because this is the promised land. We see in Scripture here that this is the land that I promised to your father Abraham. This is what I promised to Moses. This is what I promised to all these people. And you know what? God keeps his promises. And we're going to talk a lot about that here in a minute, but we're not, we're not there just yet. But this is what I have promised you. And they're looking across the river. They're looking at this place. They're looking at this, uh, at this land that they have been given, and they're terrified. And I don't even know that terrified can, can give you the right word because they've had 40 years of toil. They have, they have had 40 years of bad luck after bad luck and that this has happened and then they might get close to the land and then they're swept away again. And then they just know that all of their ancestors are not going to be able to go with them because God said that only all these people that said no, only, only the people that said yes, can go into the promised land. So this is, this is a pretty big deal at their moment, but... They also know that across that river, across the Jordan, they're going to have battle after battle and struggle after struggle. Something that the world has told them that they can't do. That they're not going to be able to overcome all of these people. What river are you looking across today? Where are you at in your life that you're looking across this this threshold, across this insurmountable task that you say, man, God, I, I can't do that. God, I'm not not capable of, of defeating this foe. I'm not capable of doing what you would want me to do, God. What river are you looking across in your life right now? What river are you trying to cross but you're so terrified to even get your feet wet? So terrified to even get there. But here's the thing. The opposite of strength is actually fear. It's not weakness. The opposite of strength is fear. And that's why even God says, don't be afraid and don't be discouraged for the Lord God is with you wherever you go. And don't, so don't let these postures, don't let these emotions cripple you from your calling. Don't let these feelings of inadequacy keep you from where God wants you to go. You're looking across this river, you're looking across this place, and you're saying, I can't do it. I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. I can't, I can't do this, God. But that's fear. That's fear. And God says, huzzah. God says, be strong. Be courageous. Because I'm with you. Because I'm there. Be strong. Be courageous. And the promised land is truly... Their destiny. The Israelites have been waiting for this for years and years and years and years. You could say 40 years because they were in the wilderness. Or you could say 40 more years whenever they were in exile or 400 more years whenever they weren't in there. So years and years, decades and decades, centuries of time that they have been waiting for this. And God is waiting for you to be strong and be courageous to achieve the calling that he has for your life. So what happens next? So what's the next step? For those of you that have read this story or familiar with this part of the Bible, then you know that they cross the river. It's actually a pretty cool scene that they take the Ark of the Covenant out into the water. And then as they step into the water, the river backs up and they part this river and everyone walks across on dry land again. So I know you're afraid of getting your feet wet right now. I know you're afraid of getting your, you know, your, your toms or you're getting your chucks going to get wet, going to get ruined right now. But God said, hey, listen, I'm going to let you walk across on dry land. Can I preach this? Is that okay? Like, do y'all, do y'all mind if I preach this? So I know you're afraid of that. But God said, hey, listen, I got a plan. I know half of y'all can't swim because you've been in the desert your whole life. But, but I'm going to take care of this. I've got this handled. I've got you here. Jericho. They cross the river, they get across, they come to Jericho. The the Jerichoans, I don't know know what the exact word for the people of Jericho are. The people of Jericho are terrified because they saw this river back up. They saw them walk across on dry land so they're scared. They're scared to death. So they all hide up in their high walls and they all get get back so that they can't be touched and so the, the Israelites can't get to them. But if you know this story, that all they did was walk around. They didn't do anything. They didn't have to fight. They didn't have to shoot a bunch of bows and arrows or have to pound down the the walls. They didn't have to do that. They simply walked. Let's go to the next one. And the thing is that God, he wanted not only the people of Jericho, but he wanted his people to know that his presence is enough. God wanted to make a statement with this very first battle that says, you know what? I've got this. I can handle this. I don't need your your people to do anything because God's presence is great enough to overcome anything we face. His presence, simply His presence, is enough to overcome any obstacle, any struggle, anything that we face in our lives. His presence is enough. They walked around this place seven times, and then they got real rowdy like they were at a Tennessee Titans football game, or I mean, excuse me, they were at a UK basketball game, and they were fired up. You know, they had, they had just beat somebody in overtime that they should have beat in the first quarter. Was that too close? Too close to home there? Shouldn't have said that. I apologize. So... They walked across, they got really rowdy. They yelled and they screamed, and the walls come tumbling down. You know this story. This is the story that we all heard in Sunday school that we're all about. But here's the thing that you might not have known. It was God's presence that did it. It wasn't that the Israelites walked around seven times. They could have walked up and screamed if that's what God told them to do. But the key is that's what God told them to do. That's what God told them to do was simply allow His presence to be enough his presence to showcase His power. His power. Go to the next one there, Margie. And that's the thing. That, that, that's what you need to see, is that He wants our participation and not His power. God says, you know what, I'm, I, and not our power. God says, I'm powerful enough. I created this world, I spoke it into existence, and in John chapter 1, there's a really exciting verse that you ought to read, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and everybody that's in my small group knows exactly where I'm going with this, but they're excited because they know that in the beginning was Christ, and that Christ was the Word, and that His Word spoke this world into existence. He says, I've got enough power, I've got power, I just need your participation, I just need you to be present in this moment so I can show my power. I need you to get out of the way. Go to the next one. This is a good one, too. Man, if y'all aren't writing this down, I don't know, because this is great. And he needs our submission and not our strength. Man, I was praying that as I, on, as I walked up on the stage and said, God, just let me submit to this. I wrote all these fancy notes, and I've got all these things written down, and I've got all these stuff put on the screen. I'm really impressed with myself, by the way, because it's the first time i put anything on the screen, so y'all should be proud. But God needed my submission, not my strength, to preach to you today. God needed my submission, not my strength, to be up here on stage, and that's what God needs from you. He needs your submission, not your strength. He said, I'm strong enough. I'm powerful enough. I just need you to submit and participate. That's all I need. And if this was the end of the story, if the book of Joshua ended right here, it'd be great. And everybody would be rah, rah, re, let's go. We got it. We're done. We're the national champions. It was all also a shot in the dark. Um, but we've done it. But those of us that know about this book, know about this story, know that the battle of Ai is next. So what happens at the Battle of Ai? This is one that you didn't hear in Sunday school. This isn't the one that, that you heard about all the time. So at the Battle of Ai, they say, you know what? We're going to whip these guys. No problem. We're only going to send a portion of our force there, you know, because we're, we're tough, we're strong, we can do this. So they only send like 3,000 people to the Battle of Ai, and they get whipped. The people of Ai put a hurting on the Israelites. And they come back and they're so distraught and they're so not understanding. And Joshua was like, I don't, I don't know what happened here. I don't know what we did wrong because God, we were with this. We were with you. We were, we were doing what you wanted us to do. But they found something. They found someone. They found Achan was in the city of Jericho and he had taken a few things that he wasn't supposed to take. This is what I want you to get. Go ahead, Margie. That... Until we put evil to death in our lives, that we will always have spiritual setbacks. And that's the one we don't like. That's the part that we're not okay with. We like it when we say, Oh yeah, God, hey, you do it. You got it, God. We're going you know, to just sit back, relax, and, and hang in there. But the part that we don't like is to think about digging into the deepest part of our hearts to find that evil that we're holding on to, that sin that we're holding on to, and we keep wondering, why do we have spiritual setbacks? We yeah. keep wondering, why can't, why can't I be fully used by God? Why haven't I seen His, His incredible power used in my life? It's because we're holding on to something. It's because we buried something in our hearts. We buried something underneath our tent that we don't want anyone else to know about. We don't want anyone else to see that one thing that we've got or that one thing that we keep that we really, really want to have. But yet God says, oh no. If you know anything about Achan, you know anything about the story of I, is that he didn't make it. We have to put to death, put evil to death in our lives so we can have no spiritual setback. So I I envision this scene as being really tough, you know. And I know you're looking at me and thinking, yeah, Caleb's a tough guy. You know, he's so muscular and just so strong. And uh, that's what you're thinking, right? So I, I think about this scene. I was going to keep going. I think about this scene, and it reminds me of so many movies that I've seen. And... And I'm a movie guy. I want you to know that I am, an, I am a movie guy. I can quote movies after seeing them one time. I can watch the same movie over and over and over again like it was the very first time. And I love them. I, I like movies. And, and I, I think about... This scene is like something out of the movie Troy, you know, and that whole movie is just tough, you know. Brad Pitt, I kind of look like him. Brad Pitt is just tough throughout that whole movie. Or you think about Gladiator in the in the movie Gladiator, in the very first scene, whenever they're riding and the barbarians, and they're you know they're it's just ah it's so tough. And of course you get to Braveheart, and I don't condone everything that happens in Braveheart. Okay, so don't I don't want you to hear me say that. But in Braveheart, whenever he's painted up. And he's got his blue face on, and there's all these crazy people out there. "Ah." And then he's riding back and forth, and he says, You may take our lives, but you will never take our freedom. Like, that just, man, I just want to do push-ups right now and get fired up and run around the room. I love it. I just absolutely love it. And even whenever Brad Pitt is telling him, he says, Just be on that beach that's eternity. That's immortality. Take it. It's yours. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Don't act like I'm crazy up here. Y'all seen this movie. I've seen this. And so he's standing there and he's just so tough and his biceps are bulging, kind of like mine all right now. And it's just, he's just, he's telling them and he's, he's giving this, this speech that's just going to really rally them up. And they take the beach and in Braveheart, they whip him almost. And then in Gladiator, they definitely whip All the barbarians. And I know what you're thinking right now. You're saying, hey, that's what God is doing. Hey, that's what God is doing for Joshua. He's saying, hey, be strong, be courageous as a a time to just, you know, get up, get going, and get moving. And that's exactly true. But something I want you to see, something I want you to think about is in all these movies, whether it's Troy or Gladiator, Braveheart, or the list goes on and on and on, they had a common goal. One common goal, and that was their country. That was their country. They had pride in their country. They had pride in their cause. They had pride in their kingdom. They had a common goal. Have y'all figured out where I'm going yet? Kingdom it was their kingdom. And in church, we use this as such a cliche. I feel like the word cl- kingdom is such a cliche in our in our world. Because we say, oh, you know, I'm going to be a kingdom man. Or, you know, we're going to, we're going to bring more people into the kingdom. Kingdom, kingdom, kingdom. We, we say this and we say this. But yet we kind of miss what the kingdom is all about. We totally glaze over what the kingdom is. And, and, I, and I wrote this down. And I, forgive me for reading it. But in Luke seventeen twenty one. Jesus says that the kingdom is in our midst. He says the kingdom is in our midst. He says, oh, Don't be afraid. Don't, don't, don't worry about it, whether it's right now or, or whether it's right then. Don't, don't worry about that because the kingdom is in our midst. The kingdom. And the Greek word used here is basilia, basilia, which is, they, they get kingdom out of that. But really, what it means is king or authority or rule, it means to rule is what Basilia means. And then earlier in Luke, Jesus tells his hometown that the prophecy Isaiah has come true today in your your hearing. Right now, it's come true in your hearing. And And he means that the kingdom, the Basilia, the rule of Christ has come. The rule of Christ has come today. It has come right now with Jesus speaking the words. Christ later tells Pilate in the book of John that his kingdom is not of this world. But we discovered by, by his work on the cross that his kingdom is for this world. Can I preach this today? Can I preach this? He says that my kingdom is not of this world, but we know and we discover that his kingdom is for this world. Because listen, Christ came to set up a kingdom Of individuals that are willing to let him rule our lives. A kingdom of people that are gonna say, you know what God, you are the authority. You know what Christ, I'm listening to you. You know, it's real interesting that that just before Jesus is taken to be questioned and and then beaten and then later crucified, right right before this time, he's speaking to his disciples. Speaking to the people that he loves, and he knows that he's he's right at the scene. He's right at the moment that he came to earth for. That God is looking at this. He knows that the disciples are going to struggle. He knows that it's going to be difficult. He knows that they're facing the hardest thing that they're going to face up to this point. And so is Christ. What does he say? What does he say? After they know that something is tough, know that something is going on, and they finally have this aha moment that they're figuring out what he's here for. But the Holman Christian Standard Bible translates John sixteen thirty three John sixteen thirty three by be courageous, be courageous. I have overcome the world. So you're meaning to tell me that God the Father and God the Son have the exact same vocabulary. You're meaning to tell me that God is looking at Joshua trying to overcome the most difficult thing in his life, the biggest struggle that him and the Israelites are going to face, and he says, you know what? Be strong and courageous. Jesus, in the exact same situation, the exact same place in his life, he is here after three years about to go to the cross, and he's telling his disciples, be courageous. Is that good? Are y'all listening out there cuz that's amazing that God the Father and God the Son and I know y'all are smarter than me and I know that that you guys understood this long before I ever did. But that means that they speak the same language. And that this transition from Old Testament to the transition of New Testament that it's really no transition at all that it's Christ coming and saying, "You know what? I got this." Christ saying, I've got this authority. I've got this rule. If you'll let me have it, because he needs our participation, not our power. He needs our submission and not our strength. That's what he needs. They have the same language. And that's how they use, that's the language they use to motivate their kingdom. You know, God promised to never leave us or forsake us, be courageous. Paul says that we are more than conquerors. The song that we were saying earlier said that we are more than conquerors. Be courageous. I am with you even to the end of the age is what Christ said. Be courageous. And these are God's promises. I told you we were going to talk about this. These are God's promises. And you know what? God keeps his promises god how good it is to be in your house but god even more how good it is to be in your presence god regardless of what we face regardless of what river that we're looking across in our lives god that we know without a shadow of a doubt to be strong and courageous because you're here And God, you you are enough and your presence is enough and your word is enough. You gave us this word thousands of years ago and it is as true today as it was then. God, you have given us the luxury to know you. God, I pray for not only myself, but I pray for the people here that they can be willing and be able to overcome anything that they have in their lives, God, because they have strength. Encouraged. They're not going to be afraid. They're not going to be discouraged, God, because you are with them. You are enough for their lives, God, and teach us day by day by day how to be more like you, and God, how to be encouraged.